Father, we thank you right now for your word going forth. Thank you for the power of your spirit that opens up our understanding so that we can hear and we can receive from you, Lord God, and that there will be such understanding that not only will there be the grace to comprehend and to receive and to open up our eyes, but there will be the grace released so that we can walk in the truth that you speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, let's get going. Hebrews chapter 11. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Seven keys to make your faith work. Part two. I encourage you, go back last week and listen to part one. This is part two. Um, I'm going to recap a few things from last week, but I'm going to do it in such a different way that you still need to go back and listen to last week. All right? Okay. All right. Number one, let's begin here. A biblical, get some biblic, a biblical definition, if you will, of faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, now you're going to dissect the word of God with me. You have ears to hear as the learned. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, now, now, say now. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. That's one thing about faith. It's the substance of things hoped for. And then another thing about faith, it is the evidence of things not seen. But the things that, if, if, if the things that are seen, it says in another place in Romans, Romans chapter 8 verse 24. Romans chapter 8 verse 24. It says, and I just want you to capture this, because I want to emphasize the unseen. Romans chapter 8 verse 24 says, for hope that is seen is not hope. Hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? Hope that is seen is not hope. So back to Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, but that hope is not seen. So faith is the substance of the unseen, of that unseen that you're hoping for. It's the substance of it. Now, what do you mean by substance? Well, the, the Amplified and many versions will speak about substance as the confirmation, as the title deed, as the, the, as, as, the, as the proof. In other words, here is the title deed. This belongs to me. So faith is this deep conviction about what you don't see that you're hoping for. But then there's another element to this that I'm going to inject where faith is the substance literally means faith will give substance and materiality to what you hope for that is not yet seen so that what you don't see will become seen. Are you with me? So it really is a substance both in that it is a deep, strong conviction. I believe, I can see it, but I know it is so. But it is also from that place that it will actually give substance to it. So that the things that are seen were not made of the things which are seen. But the things, that are, the things that are seen were made from those things. The things that are seen were made from the unseen. From the things that do not yet appear. Hebrews 11 verse 3 is going to talk about that. Are you with me? So what is this faith? This faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of what we don't see. And, there, and then it goes on to say the evidence of things not seen. It is the evidence. You know what I mean? I was not there. I didn't see the accident. We were in court. 
But then a witness says, I saw it. I was there. The judge wasn't there, but this witness says, I saw it. Furthermore, the witness says, here is a video of what happened. You know how many crimes are being solved in the States? Because of video, somebody have a, phone, have a camera and they videotape it, and that's evidence. Well, faith is the evidence of what's not seen. Are you with me? Say unseen. unseen. Say the unseen. unseen. All right. Because you see, in the final analysis, where we got to come to is we got to be able to see the unseen, believe it to be so, believe in God and trust in him, release our faith, stay in faith, and see fulfillment and manifestation. All right? I'll come back to that. So that might sound like a mouthful, but we're going to come back to that. Faith is this, is the substance, the conviction of the things not seen, and it is the evidence and the proof of what is not yet seen. Hallelujah. So let me just, just a few little verses of scripture for a moment. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Now a very simple understanding is, see this. In the natural we have five physical senses so that we can navigate in the physical world. Where we can see, we can taste, we can smell, we can feel, we can smell. Which other one I left out? Right? Here, whatever it is. We have these five physical senses to operate in this arena. Whatever is happening in the physical realm, we can use those five physical senses. We can make deductions. We can use our reasoning, etc. But now you see faith, but those five physical senses do not work in the realm of the spirit. In the realm of the spirit where your healing is. In the realm of the spirit where those every spiritual blessing are in heavenly places. The five physical senses don't work in that unseen realm. So God says, I'm not going to leave you to just struggle and wander around and don't have a clue what's going on. I'm going to give you a gift of a thing and it's going to be called faith. And this faith is going to be as a sixth sense whereby you can see the unseen. So that you can operate in this arena where the five physical senses will not work. But faith is that sixth sense for the unseen realm. Now, faith for the, that sixth sense for the unseen realm is so dynamic, so powerful, that it literally doesn't need any other support or agreement except the word of God which it comes from. What am I talking about? In the natural realm, if you heard your, 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 your child or, 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 or someone screaming, and you can hear that scream and the, and the pain in that scream, what do you do? That's your ears. Do you figure out, well, I'm not going to believe this until I see them. No. Are you not going to believe? I'm not going to believe. I hear them screaming, but I don't smell anything. I hear them scream, screaming, but I don't feel anything. In other words, then you're going to depend on that one single sense of hearing, and you're going to disregard the next four. Why? Because of the confidence in that one single, single sense that you would disregard the rest well so it is in the realm of the spirit faith is that sixth sense that you do not need any confirmation from any other source you don't need to know what does it look like what does it feel like what does it taste like what does it smell like you don't need the five physical senses so the just shall live by faith we walk by faith and not by sight not by those five physical senses faith is the sixth sense so you can, for the unseen. Say the unseen. unseen. 
so that you can see the unseen. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18 says, For we look not, we look, we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. How can you look at something that is not seen? Not with your physical eyes, you can't. To look, how can you look at something that is not seen? By faith. We look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. So faith are these, is that sixth sense. It is like these spiritual eyes so that you can see the unseen. Now, how can you have such confidence in that which you cannot see? Well, faith is the confidence. But so where does it come from? How does that work? I can't afford to miss, to miss it. Somebody's life, my own life might depend on it. I've got to, I've got to have some solid foundation. So, Habakkuk, Habakkuk, where are you? Habakkuk, <laughs> chapter 2, and verse, chapter 2 and verse 1, I know. I know, you, you have issues following finding Habakkuk and Obadiah too, okay? It's not just me. <laughs> and Nahum. <laughs> okay, Habakkuk chapter 2. So, faith sees the unseen, but how does this work? I've got to see the unseen, because I'm going to rest on my whole life. I'm going to put everything on this faith. Faith is going to be the, the legs that are holding up this chair on which I'm sitting. Faith is going to be the, the legs that is, going to, that is going to keep me standing. So I've, it's got to be dependable. I've got to be able to see the unseen. How does that work? Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1 says, I will stand my watch. And I will set myself on the rampart. And I will watch. I'm going to come up in this, in this place. Where I can see. I'm going to come up in this place. And I'm going to watch. Watch what? I'm going to watch to see what he will say to me. I got to see what he say? Yes. Because you see when, when he says it. I don't want to just hear it. I want to see it. Because when I can see what he says, and I've captured the vision of it, revelation is going to come, revealing. I got to see what he says. I got to have a spiritual picture of it. Where there is no vision, the people perish. When the word of God simply says, by his stripes I am healed, but you cannot see yourself healed, you cannot see it that way, it will not work for you. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Amen? Three-legged dog. What does that look like? Dog with a long tail. Dog with no tail. Dog with some black and white spots. It creates a vision, doesn't it? Well, the word of God must, must create that vision. So I'm going to sit upon the wall and I'm going to sit until I can see what he says. Because when I can see what he says, I'm stepping into faith. Because faith sees the unseen. Are you with me? All right. So, no wonder then, Romans chapter 10 verse 17 is going to say, Faith cometh. Cometh how? By hearing. And hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing the word of God. Faith cometh, faith cometh, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing the word of God. Because as I keep hearing, and as I keep hearing, then I'm, then I'm seeing, I'm seeing the unseen. 
And this is how my faith, oh, this is going to be the absolute key to the operation of my faith. Faith is not going to do you any good if you don't operate it, if you don't function in it. But if the foundation is not there, it's not going to work right. And the foundation of it is the word of God. Are you with me? Why? Because the word of God will cause you to see the unseen. And faith is that sixth sense by which you are able to function in that unseen realm. And in that unseen realm is where the grace of God, is where the provisions of God, is where the healing is, is where every spiritual blessing is. And faith is what will see it, and faith will also bring it from there. It will give it substance and cause it to manifest in the here and in the now and in the physical and in the natural. Amen? All right. Glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So the word of God, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God is the foundation. Now, actually, when you see this, you need to also see this, okay? The word of God is not just so that I have more knowledge and more, underst and more understanding. That I can find out, oh, these are the spiritual blessings. These are the things... It is for that too. But the word of God is also to give not just increased knowledge, but faith. To produce that faith on the inside of you. That confidence. That ability. That materiality that will give the unseen materiality. You like materiality? <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So, this word is to build your faith. And so Jesus, now when you understand this unseen thing, and I want you to keep thinking about that unseen, that unseen, seeing the unseen, because it's critical. So you can understand why Jesus would say, was it to Thomas? Yeah, doubting Thomas. Jesus would say to him, when, when Thomas said, when, 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 Jesus, when he said, unless I could see um, the nail prints in his hands and the hole in his side, I'm not going to believe. And when Jesus showed up, Jesus said, Thomas, come here. Come here. Come over here. Come, come over here. But he didn't quite put it that way. <laughs> and he said, look, you see the holes, the prints in my hand, you see them in my side. And then listen to what he said to Thomas in John 20 and 25. Blessed are they who don't see, but yet believe. In other words, those that don't have to, they're not looking to the five physical senses. Those that do not see, but they believe because they can see the unseen, they are the ones that are blessed, that are empowered to get results. Are you with me? So see the unseen. Now how important is faith? Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. It is impossible to please God. Why? How can two people walk together and be in harmony if they do not agree? Faith will cause you to see as God sees. And when you can see as God sees and you bind your tongue accordingly, then you're going to talk like God talks. Faith will cause you to be in agreement with God. How important is it to be in agreement with God? When two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, when you and the Holy Ghost, when you and God agree 
and are in harmony concerning anything, it shall be done for them by my Father which is in heaven. Is that correct? So faith causes you to be in agreement with God, to see eye to eye with God. And so God says, unless you are able to see the unseen and be in harmony with me, you cannot please me. So faith is important because it's the means by which you are able to please God and give him pleasure. Amen? Also, you know, grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, Grace, which makes the unsearchable riches of Christ available, that puts it all in your account so that you're blessed with every spiritual blessing. You've received all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Grace makes everything available. Everything available. All right? However, you need faith to access it. Amen? If you got all kinds of finances in your account, but you don't have the account number, you don't know how to make withdrawals, you don't know the bank number, you don't know the password, man, you can have all of that money there, but it's not going to do you much good. So grace makes everything available, but faith is the means by which you are able to access it. So faith is important. It is a faith that it might be by grace that the promise might be available to all the seed. And like I said before, faith is what is also going to give it substance to make it come to pass in the natural. It says in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 34, we have a, 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 a more enduring substance. A more enduring substance. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 28 says, um, for, um, what does it say? That this is how God operates. God takes the things that are not to bring to naught the things that are. Oh, that sounds like gibberish. God takes the things that are not to bring to naught the things that are. What is that saying? God takes the things that do not exist in the natural but exist in the spiritual to change what exists in the natural. What exists in the natural might be lack, might be infirmity, might be oppression, might be whatever it is. But God takes what's in the spirit the things that are not existing yet in the natural, he will take it and bring it down and change what's in the natural. So God then, so 1 Corinthians 1 verse 20, it says, God takes the things that are not to bring to naught the things that are. What are we talking about? We're still talking about the same thing. What? Faith gives it substance. Faith gives it materiality. Faith causes this to be made manifest in the natural. Hebrews 11 verse 3. The, the true faith we understand, understand what? That the things which are seen were not made of the things which are seen. But what were they made of? They were made from the unseen. All right? Got it. All right. How important is faith? <laughs> well, of course, for all of these reasons, but here's another one. This is the victory. 1 John 5, 4. This is the victory that overcometh. Overcometh what? Anything. Overcometh the world. This is the victory. Now, why is it, mm -hmm, why is it that faith is the victory? Why is it that faith is the victory? I'm going to answer that very briefly. Here is why faith is the victory. Because the sacrifice of Christ is the victory. 
The sacrifice of Christ is what destroyed all the works of the devil. The sacrifice of Christ is what spoiled principalities and powers and made us show them openly. The sacrifice of Christ is what has caused everything to be reconciled to God's original intent as if sin had never taken place. So the sacrifice is what fixes everything. The sacrifice, what Jesus did in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection, in his ascension, and in his shedding of his blood, what Jesus did is what is absolute, total, perfect victory over devil, over demons, over sickness, over disease, over poverty, over lack, over every kind of curse of any sort. The sacrifice is total victory. Now, Question, why is faith the victory? Why? Here's the reason why. Because faith connects to the sacrifice. Faith connects to the sacrifice. Let me show that to you briefly. The word, 1 John 5, 4. And the reason why it is the victory is because it connects to the sacrifice. Say the sacrifice. And by the way, the sacrifice is what, the sacrifice has so much to do with the unseen. Is it because of the sacrifice of Christ that your sins are forgiven? How do you see that? You don't see that. Is it because of the sacrifice that you have power and authority over all the works of the devil? You can't see that. All those things that they, about the sacrifice. You, have you seen the sacrifice? Did you see Jesus die on the cross? Shed his blood? Did you see any of that? So you see, the sacrifice, oh, glory to God, is such a massive key to the unseen. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> so faith is powerful and is totally, and is the victory because it connects to the sacrifice, which is total and absolute victory, both now and for all eternity. Hebrews chapter 11. No, chapter 10. Listen to this for a moment. All I'm trying to do is just very quickly make this connection between faith and the sacrifice. To simply point out that faith is totally victorious because the sacrifice is totally victorious. And everything that the sacrifice has provided for us, faith it can get it for you. Amen? Faith is a servant. And when you send that servant out, man, he's going to go get the job done. All right. So Hebrews chapter 10, I just, that's the connection, faith and the sacrifice, faith and the sacrifice, faith and the sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 18. Now where there is remission of these sins, there is no longer an offering for sin. Does that have to do with the sacrifice, forgiveness of sins? All right. Therefore, brethren, you have boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Does the blood of Jesus have to do with the sacrifice? Come on. Yes. And then verse 20, how do we enter into the holiest through the blood? By a new and a living way, a way that is alive, a new and a living way that he has consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh. Remember the veil was torn? Well, so was his flesh. In other words, now his flesh being torn by the beating, by the stripes and by whatever else hanging upon that cross becoming a curse. Through the veil of his flesh. Is that a sacrifice? Yes, it is. And then in the next verse. And having a high priest over the house of God. How come Jesus is high priest? Upon what authority is Jesus a high priest? Isn't it because of the sacrifice? Come on. All right. 
And then the next verse, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. We're talking about full assurance of faith now. Having our hearts, which means our conscience, sprinkled from an evil conscience, our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our body washed with pure water. Well, the only way the conscience can be purged from any evil and all of that stuff is by the blood. That's the sacrifice. Okay, I'm going to read it again, but I'm going to read it without breaking it up. I want to, what's the point? Why is the vic, the sac, why is faith absolute victory? Because of the sacrifice. Well, how is it connected? Let's see it right here. Where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin, sacrifice. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, sacrifice. And having a new and a living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, that's sacrifice. And having a high priest over the house of God, a better priesthood based on a better sacrifice, better promises is because of the sacrifice. Let us, having gotten a hold of all of that, let us draw near with a true heart. Let us have full assurance of faith. Where is the full assurance of faith coming from? Can you see the connection? Amen? Now, we're not teaching enough, but that's the reason why when you connect up this, the faith with the sacrifice, then all of a sudden faith becomes, uh, 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 does not become this big, mysterious, hard-to-do thing. Amen? We'll go there another time. All right. The sacrifice is total victory. Faith is total victory. Now, now, given all of these glorious benefits for faith, the means to connect in the unseen realm and bring it into the seen realm and all of the, and please God and walk in agreement with God and all of that, it is necessary for your faith to work, right? Say, my faith's got to work. My faith is supposed to work. I'm going to make my faith work. Faith, I'm, put your hand on your chest. Because don't forget, God has dealt you a measure of faith. You've got faith in the inside of you. So, say, so put your hand in your chest. Say, I'm talking to my faith. Faith, you my servant. You are to obey me. You are to do the job that God has sent you into my life to accomplish. So faith, I'm talking to you. And I say to you, you are working. Faith, I command you. You are to work. You are to produce. I command you. You've got the ability. You've got the ability. And I command you. You work for me. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Say I got faith. Alright. So. Here now are seven keys to make your faith work. Number one. You have faith. You got to know that. Romans chapter 12 verse 3 says, God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. God has placed even within every human being the capacity to believe. Every human being, even the one that is not saved. Ecclesiastics 3 verse 11, when it talks about eternity is in the heart of man, you remember that scripture? That is the capacity to believe that every human being has. All right. And especially for us that are born again, guess what? We have received a measure of the God kind of faith. Say, I got faith. I got faith. Now, just very quickly, 
um, Luke chapter 17. Faith is my servant. Say, faith is my servant. All right. I got a good servant. <laughs> I got a faithful servant. I got a capable servant. Hallelujah. My servant works for me, and my servant is faithful. And while he's at work for me, guess what? Goodness and mercy follows me. Oh, what a life. <laughs> All right. Luke chapter 17, very quickly, reading from verse, verse 5. And the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. All right? Increase our faith. So thank God, at least they knew they had it. <laughs> Amen? Increase our faith. So the Lord said in answer to the question, if you have faith as a mustard seed, the tiniest little seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it will obey you. And now that it is not just talking about the mulberry tree, but your faith will obey you. All right. Why? Because it's your servant. Let me continue. And which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep? He's still talking about the same thing. Your faith. Have a servant plowing or tending sheep and will say to him when he has come in from the field, come, sit at once and, 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 and sit and sit down to eat. No, 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 no. But will you not rather say to him, you that servant, prepare now for me supper? Gird yourself and then serve me until I've eaten, until I've drunken. And after that, then you can go eat and drink. But it speaks about faith as a servant. Now, there's a couple other things in there. One of them is the fact that after your servant comes and he does this, he takes care of your finances, he takes care of your healing, he takes care of your memory, he takes care of this and he takes care of that. You know, feed him. <laughs> feed him. Give him some word. Let him go spend some time in the word. Keep feeding him. Keep feeding him the word. We'll come back to that. But that's another part of it. But anyway, the point I want you to see is that faith is your servant. But the disciples that ask, Lord, increase our faith. So Jesus says, your faith needs to be like a servant. Keep him busy. When he finishes in the field, let him come cook. When he finishes cooking, let him come serve you. All right? After you've believed and you've released your faith for divine protection, put them to work for those kids. Put them to work for the finances. Put them to work for your healing. They just shall live by faith. You live this way. Amen? All right. So Jesus says, and then so how do you increase your faith? Practice it. Use it. Put it to work. But then also, keep feeding it. Feed it. Why should you feed it? You don't want them to get dry up and stale and faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you got to feed him the word of God. You got you to stay in the word. He got to stay in the word because you had this miracle last week or because God did this or God, God did that. You don't decide, okay, faith, go to sleep. No, you got to go feed him. You got to stay in faith. You got to stay in the word. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. My son, attend unto my word. Incline your ear unto my saying. How are you going to stay in the word? How are you going to keep feeding your faith? Keep listening. Keep listening to this. Keep listening to teachings. Keep listening to the word. Keep listening to the Bible on tape. Study your notes. Don't just make notes and don't pick it up until next week. Study your notes. Read your Bible. Exercise your faith. Amen? All right. All right. You have faith. The next thing here, and this is important. 
You have enough faith. Say, I got all the faith I could ever need. Say, my faith is more than enough for anything, for any miracle. My faith is enough to raise the dead. All right. Now let's look at that. Matthew chapter 17. This is so important. And this one, I'm going to spend some time on this. Even if it means I don't finish the message, I'm going to spend some time on this point. Right? I know we did last week, but not good enough. <laughs> Let's work on some more, all right? Is that okay? Yeah. All right. Matthew chapter 17, I'm not going to go through the whole story, but in verse 20. After the disciples had difficulty getting the boy, the demon boy cast out, Jesus came on the scene, got the boy delivered. The disciples came to Jesus and said, Jesus, how come we can cast out that devil? I mean, we were doing all these other miracles and all these other things were happening. What happened now? And Jesus answered in Matthew 17, verse 20, and he said to them, because of your unbelief. He did not say because of the lack of faith. But because of your unbelief, I'm going to throw this in there right now. I'm going to deal, um, in a little while, I'm going to mention some stuff that messes up and creates all of this stuff in people's head that causes them to think they don't have enough faith. I'm going to address that. That's why I say if i got to spend the rest of the time on this, it's worth it. But when we go looking at some of the things and where the, some of this stuff that causes you to think you don't have enough faith, you will find out that many of those scriptures that make you think you don't have enough faith really was never talking about the size of your faith to start with. It was talking about the quality of your faith. It was talking about the operation of your faith, the function of your faith, but it had nothing to do with the size of your faith. All right, hold that thought. I'll come back and prove it in a little while. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, it wasn't about your lack of faith, but it was your unbelief, okay, I'm going to inject this, that polluted your faith. All right. That short circuit your faith. For surely, understand this, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, is that supposed to be the tiniest seed around? If you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here and go over there, and it will move. Your mustard seed faith will move this mountain, and it will move, and nothing. How much is nothing? What is nothing? How much is nothing? Does nothing have an exception to it? Nothing will be impossible to you. Can we put it another way? And this is talking about your, must, your little tiny mustard seed faith. In other words, your little tiny mustard seed faith, nothing will be impossible to it. Flip it around. Your mustard seed faith, all things are possible to your mustard seed faith. Amen? All things, if it includes, if it, if it need be, to raise the dead. But then you see, there are some scriptures that make you think that you don't have enough faith. The fact remains, you have enough faith, and mustard seed, which is the smallest of measurements, is enough for the impossible. All things are possible to your mustard seed faith. So, where are these apparent contradictions that you don't have enough faith? Where are they coming from? Oh, ye of little faith. Oh, but Jesus said that. Oh, I have not seen such great faith. That means it was bigger than, in other words, this particular person got a miracle. Jesus said because they had great faith. In other words, then, if they had little mustard seed faith, that wasn't going to be possible. But I thought with little mustard seed faith, all things are possible. 
So what is this great faith? What is this OE of little faith? Okay, let's examine it quickly. And as I said, and I'm just putting this ahead of you for you to see it, is that where this discrepancy appears to be is really, there is no discrepancy. But it is because it was talking about the quality of faith, whether it was polluted or not, and it was talking about the functioning of it, whether it stayed on the job or whether it quit in between. All right? Okay, so let's, let's get this. So what I'm going to do right now, <laughs> I'm going to go through, if I, if I can, I'm going to use six case studies from the Bible and examine this, all right? The ones that causes us to wobble. Do I have enough faith? And then, of course, preachers always will tell you, well, it is because you didn't have enough faith. You didn't have enough faith. This person, and we have this faith, this little faith guilt consciousness. <laughs> In the meantime, Jesus, the master, said, all you need is a little mustard seed, and all things will be possible to you. Who are you going to believe? The preacher that says you don't have enough faith, or Jesus, <laughs> who said your mustard seed is more than enough. All right. You choose. All right, let's look at a couple of them. Matthew chapter 14. Glory to God. I, hear, I feel the Holy Ghost on this. Amen. Matthew chapter 14. Again, you've heard this before, but let's go do it anyway. You know the story? Jesus, the, 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 the disciples were in a boat trying to get to the other side. A storm came. The wind was blowing. It was, it was, the wind was boisterous. The waves were, I mean, it was very intimidating. And while this was happening, they saw Jesus. They saw this person walking, coming towards the boat. And they thought, oh, it's a ghost. Oh, that means we're probably going to die out here. And I mean, and fear hit them. And then Jesus, and, and then Jesus told them, don't fear. All right. All right, and then da 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 da, da. and immediately they started as a ghost, and they cried out for fear. This is in Hebrews chapter fourteen, verse twenty-six. But immediately, thank God for the immediately. Man, if Jesus didn't show up immediately and speak immediately, we might have all been in so much trouble. And immediately, Jesus spoke to them, saying, "Be of good cheer. It is I. It's me. Do not be afraid." And Peter answered him and said, "Lord, if it's you." Command me to come to you on the water. So, and so he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on water, defying gravity. He walked on water to go to Jesus. And when he saw, when he took his eyes off Jesus, and he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink he cried out saying Lord save me and immediately Jesus stretched out his hand caught him and said to him oh you of little faith why did you doubt obviously let me ask you something was Peter walking on water? Did that take faith? So he obviously had enough faith to walk on water. Right? But now Jesus, I mean, he was walking on water. Now Jesus is saying, oh, you have little faith. What's up here? I mean, this is walking, walking on water is not an everyday thing. Like if, if that's what, what's next, I mean, a lot of us would disqualify. 
But what was Jesus saying? Oh, ye of little faith. Little does not mean size. Little can mean duration. In other words, it's not, you know, I mean, look at that. Look at that little plant. Look how little that plant is. That's talking about size. But you know what? Give me a few minutes, right? I need to have a little nap. Is that talking about size of my nap? (laughs) It's talking about the duration. So Jesus says, Peter, you were doing fine. You were walking on the water. You were operating your faith. But then what happened is you became afraid. And with that fear, you begin to doubt. And because you begin to doubt, you short circuit your faith and you begin to sink. Why? Because not that you didn't have enough faith, but your faith didn't have enough duration. You didn't stay in faith. Why did you not stay in faith? Instead, you give up and you begin to doubt. Are you with me? So what was that? Was that talking about the quantity of his faith? No. It was talking about the operation of his faith. That little faith was not talking about whether you have big faith. No, it was not about the size of his faith. All you need is a little mustard seed faith. And all things are possible to you, including walking in water. But you can't get it polluted. You can't mess it up. And then, we, and then in Luke chapter 5, verse 6 to... Well, we, we mentioned that, so let's refer to it. Luke chapter 5, when we were talking about, about when Jesus asked, increase our faith, the disciples. And Jesus says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you're going to say to this mulberry tree, be plucked up and it will obey you and so on. And then Jesus says, your faith is like a servant. In other words, he says, because there he says, if you have faith as the size of a mustard seed, same mustard seed in Luke chapter, chapter 17. 17? That's 17. I got the wrong address here. It is in Luke chapter 17. Sorry. Right? Hmm. So hold on a sec. Pause with me here. Let me see. I think I might, I think I might have two wires here across. I, I know I know it's 70, but I think I... I um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm checking something else here. Sorry about that. Mm. Yes, okay, that's right. Okay, there's 17. Okay, I, I, I wrote so. Anyway, so in that story, Jesus says, look, your faith needs to be like a servant. Put it to work and keep it working. And then when, you, and when it's finished working, come and feed it some more word. So there again, Jesus was talking about what? The operation of your faith. Say the operation of my faith. And then in Matthew chapter 8, Verse 5, I'm just going to tell you the story because you know it. And for the sake of time, there was this said, no, Matthew chapter 5. Now, Matthew chapter 8. Glory to God. Verse 5. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadly tormented. And Jesus said to him, I'm going to come. And heal him. And how does I'm going to come to your house? And I'm going to heal him. But the centurion answered and said, Lord, look, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. But only speak a word and my servant will be healed. 
In other words, man, talk about this man Howard being established in grace. It wasn't about whether I'm qualified or not or, or, or who I am and, 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 and no condemnation. Man, you know, I, 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 it's not about that. But, but then he said, you speak a word only. Speak a word and my servant will be healed. Because I also am a man under authority. In other words, I understand authority. Having soldiers under me and I say to this one, with my mouth, go. And he goes. And to another, come. And he comes. And to my servant, faith is your servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled, and he said, wow. And he said, though, and he said to those who followed him, surely I say to you, I could see Jesus, he just turned to his disciples, and he said, man, look, I'm going to tell you this. I have not found such great faith as what this man is demonstrating. Not anywhere in Israel. And I say to you, etc. Here's the point. So you say, well, this man have great faith. It was the size of his faith. No, 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 no. This great faith had nothing to do with the size of his faith. It was the operation of his faith. Because in other words, then, if this man didn't have great faith, but he just had a little faith, a little mustard seed faith, this wasn't going to work, no. The great, him having great faith was because of a couple of things. Number one, he understood authority. He understood authority. Number two, he understood the power of words. He understood what was backing Jesus up. And because he understood those things, understood authority, understood these other things, he understood how this stuff works, that Jesus doesn't have to come to his house, he can speak the word. So distance is not an issue. And because of that, Jesus says, man, this, hey, this dude got some faith. Great is his faith. Again, it was not to do about size. All right. Okay. Now let's go to our friend, the Canaanite woman, the Syrophoenician woman, because Jesus said she had great faith too. Let's check her out. Number chapter 15 and verse 22. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from the, that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon possessed. Man, she has some discernment. <laughs> right? She's severely demon possessed, and he answered her not a word. And his, and his disciples came and he urged them, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I'm not sent to the Gentiles. I'm not sent to her. And then she came and she worshiped him. She didn't get offended. Blessed are they who are not offended at me. Make sure you tell that to John the Baptist. Remember that story? She was not offended. But she came and she worshipped, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and he said, it's not good to take the children's bread and to throw it to the little dogs. Call her the dog. Not even a big dog, but little dog. Not nice. And she said, yes, Lord. You can call me dog, little dog, call me whatever you want to call me. None of those things move me. I will not accept no for an answer. Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs, they eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And then Jesus answered and said to her, Oh, woman, you like that centurion. <laughs> oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you. As you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Now, here again, 
Lady, you have great faith. Was it the size of her faith he was talking about here? Why was her faith great? Her faith was great for a couple of reasons. Some will say, well, she decided, Lord, look, I don't need this whole loaf. Just, eh, you, I mean, your power is so great. All I need is a little crumb from that loaf, and it's enough to deliver my daughter. And so we say, well, it could mean that. And that she had such confidence. And, and there is some measure to that, but it's more than that. Number one, she was not offended. You'll be amazed. The people in Jesus' hometown, they were offended at him. John the Baptist ran into a little bit of a problem that Jesus corrected because he was offended. And offense can cause, can, can capsize your faith. And that's another reason for the great faith. But then more importantly, this lady thought, you know what? Right now, you may not have been sent to the Gentiles. Right now, that dispensation, the acceptable day of the Lord is not here yet. And in this dispensation, you come and you just come to Israel. But I don't care nothing about no dispensation. I see you being a man. I see your grace. I see your mercy. And all of that legalism, all of that stuff about dispensation, man, and time, I don't care what time it is. And she went over, decided to not let time and the dispensation be a hindrance. She decided, you are going to deliver my daughter. And so her faith went past that. And so Jesus says, wow, just like Enoch. Enoch walked with God and God took him. Because he had this testimony that his faith pleased God. Because she was able to override time and not that, you know, many times people dealing with situations, but because of the time element. Uh-uh, not for her. And then, of course, the fact that she refused to take no for an answer. What are we talking about? Size of faith? No. We're talking about the operation. We're talking about the quality of faith, all right? Are you with me? Mark chapter 5. Again, you know, I could tell you this story. Mm-hmm. The woman with the issue of blood, I referred to her earlier in Mark chapter 5, 22 to 34. She got her healing. Now, she could have decided, you know what? Um, you, you know, the, the traditions say, the, the regulations say, I'm not supposed to go out in public. But she decided, no, 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 no. I see. I, I don't care about all of that stuff. And she saw Jesus in his grace, and Jesus saw her in her faith, and she got her answer. Isn't that right? This is what we talked about earlier. Let your heart be established with grace. Not with the traditions of men. Don't get all caught up in all of these rules and regulations and, and all of this stuff. That stuff was nailed to the cross. Amen? And so, again, this woman, Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. What was it? What was it about her faith? It was the quality of faith. It was, the, it was about the operation of her faith. Man, she set a standard Ah, later on, there were people just trying to touch Jesus, the hem of Jesus' garment to be healed. Mark chapter 5, Jairus. Now, you know the Jairus story. Jairus had come to Jesus and said, Jesus, my daughter's at the point of death. If you will come to my house and you lay your hands upon her, she's going to live. But then Jesus got distracted listening to the testimony of that woman that had gotten healed with the issue of blood. And while, he was, while this testimony was going on, some runners came from the house and said, Jairus, don't bother Jesus anymore because now the little girl is dead. And immediately, Jesus turned to him and said, fear not. Don't let fear come and contaminate your faith. Because you had already said earlier that if I come to your house and I lay my hands on your daughter... She's going to make it well. Don't let this bad news create fear. So Jesus says, fear not. And then listen to what Jesus said. Only believe. 
That's all you need to do. Nothing else is required. Only believe. And of course, you know, they went to the house and the girl got raised from the dead. Now, let me ask you something. The quality, the, the kind of faith, I mean, this woman touched the hem of his garment, get healed. The, um, the man with great faith said, Jesus, you don't have to come to my house. The woman with the issue of blood, she decided, I'm not going to ask Jesus nothing. I'm just going to take my healing and run away with it. <laughs> but look, Jairus says, that wasn't, that wasn't the kind of faith Jairus had. Jairus said, look, I need you to come to my house. I don't know, but it's, you see what I'm saying? But look what, what did Jairus get out of it? His daughter got raised up from the dead. Did Jairus' faith have anything to do with that? Yes. But what kind of faith? All you need is a little mustard seed. So it was not about, um, uh, it was not about the size of, 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 of his faith. It was about the operation. It was about the quality of it. And when the quality of his faith was threatened by fear, Jesus says, fear not. That's the reason why as believers, we've got a responsibility for one another. Where the scripture says, do not forsake together the assembling together of yourself. Why? That you might provoke one another to love. So you see a brother about to give up, about to quit. He says, hey, yo, yo. Fear not. Chill out. Only believe. Trust God. He's done it for me. He's going to do it for you. Shake off that dust. Lift up those arms. Strengthen those weak knees. Believe God and continue to believe and confess and praise and magnify God. You follow me? So Jesus was able to step in before his faith got polluted and say, fear not. Can you see that? So in all those six cases, it was never an issue about the size of faith. It's a lie about you not having enough faith. How could you not have enough faith when the word of God says that, that all, when you, the little mustard seed faith that you had got you saved? And that's the greatest miracle ever. There is no miracle that you can ever desire that is greater than being born again. Hallelujah. All right. Okay. All right. I'm, okay, fine. That, that, that was just key number one. Remember seven keys. That was key number one. As I said, I need to go back to listen to last week's tape. But I felt I needed to kind of add on that a little bit. Key number two was acknowledge. Acknowledge what? Philemon verse 6 says that your faith will work if you will acknowledge every good thing that is in you in Christ. So you need to identify, itemize what is inside of you and acknowledge it. You might not see it, but I got the love of God in me. You might not see it, but the kingdom of God is in me. You might not see it, but guess what? Divinity lives inside of my humanity. Greater is he that is in me. The glory of God. He said the glory he's given me is, given, is, me, is, is in me. The same power to raise up Christ on the dead is in me. So when you itemize and find out what is those good things that are in you, and you acknowledge it. What do you mean acknowledge it? You recognize it and you proclaim it. Your faith will grow. Titus 1 verse 1, the last part, verse, last part of Titus 1 verse 1 says that the communication, no, 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 says that um, Titus 1 verse 1, the end of it, that the acknowledgement of the truth is after godliness. Godliness means a God kind of life. In other words, when you acknowledge the truth, you're going to have the God kind of life. Eternal life. When you acknowledge the truth, greater is he. When you acknowledge, this is what the word of God says. When you keep acknowledging these things, which is what Philemon says, faith is going to work. You're going to step right into the God kind of life. Acknowledge with your mouth. 
Recognize and acknowledge. Recognize and proclaim. That's what is, that's what the, that is what the, the centurion knew. Jesus, you don't have to come to my house to speak. The disciples said, Jesus, increase our faith. He says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will what? Say. The person who don't talk, who don't want to talk, they're already at a deficit. They're already at a place where the enemy is going to short circuit the operation of the faith. Faith will not work without your mouth. Without your mouth being going into gear. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain. We believe according as it is written. And therefore we speak. Alright. So key number two, acknowledge. Key number three, Romans 4, 17. Please go back and look at that. But this is how God faith operates. God says, God called those things that be not in the natural the way they are. In the spiritual. God called what doesn't yet exist here. The way it exists here. Why is he doing that? Because it does exist here. And when he called those things that don't exist here. As they exist here. He's calling what exists here. To come into manifestation here. And that's how it works. Anyway. Last week there was, uh, the coverage on that is pretty good. Go check it out. That was key number three. Key number four. You got to overcome doubt. Oh, okay, let me put, make a more general statement. Because it's an issue of the operation of your faith and the purity of your faith, then those things that will hinder the operation of your faith, you need to overcome it. Those things that would, that would pollute or corrupt your faith, you need to overcome it. And a few of those things are doubt, unbelief, and then symptoms. Symptoms will support your doubt and unbelief. You know what I mean by that? I'm believing God, I believe I receive, but his symptoms are screaming at me. So you have to be able to overcome that. Again, go back and check out last week um, and where we cover some of that. But at the end of the day, is you got to get a hold of the truth of the word of God. At the end of the day, you got to deal with that fear. At the end of the day, you need revelation knowledge. You see, when you get revelation knowledge and you know that you know that you know what it looks like, don't matter. When, that is why faith is that sixth sense. And what's happening in the natural is not a contradiction. Not, you're not looking in the natural. All right? And sometimes... In order to deal with that unbelief, Jesus says you may have to fast. Not because of it being a big, strong, tough demon, but so that you could become more sensitive to the unseen. Amen? Again, you could go back to last week and, and, and see some of that. Number five. I want to get to number six, and then we could close, shut it down. Number, number five. It is finished. Okay. Ha. Okay, I think I'm going to have to stop here. Because this one I needed to work on. All right? I need to work on this one. So it looks like we're going to have to stop here. Key number five had to do because we didn't, no, we didn't go there last week. Uh, it's to when you could recognize that in the realm of the spirit, it's already done. It's already finished. The word of God is already settled in heaven. My healing is already accomplished. By his stripes I were healed. What is the provision? What is it I need? Hey, he's given unto me all things that pertain unto life and godliness. When we could recognize what the sacrifice is accomplished and so on. When, you know, the Lord told me this one time, Psalms 119, verse 8 and 9. The word of God is forever settled in heaven. Now, the Lord told me the word of God is already settled in heaven, but you got to settle it here on earth. In other words, you got to cause it to be settled on earth with your faith, with your believing, with your speaking, with your attitudes. It's up to you, but it's done already. You don't have to talk God into doing anything. You know why? Because he's already done it. How are you going to talk God into doing what he's already done? That's stupid. I, I, I don't mean to be rude. Sorry, I take this stupid back. Right? But the point of the matter is, that, no, no, really. Right? 
Oh, God, begging, pleading. No, it doesn't work that way. You don't have to talk him into doing what he's already done. But here is something else. Don't try to get him to do what he's told you to do. Are you with me? And hence, this issue of understanding it is finished. You see, when God made Adam and he planted him into the garden, do you know the fruit trees, the skies, the, the, the animals, everything was already there. God placed Adam into his finished work, into what he had already finished. When you and I got born again, God placed us in the finished work of the sacrifice of Christ. He placed you into what was already finished. Got it? And then coming out of that are certain things and so on. And, so. and that is why when you get that, hey, calling those things that be not as though they are, it's just a mechanical thing to do because it's done. And I know that in order to get it to move from the unseen realm to the seen realm, this is how it works. And I call it the way it is in the unseen realm so as to bring it into manifestation in the natural realm. All right, that's key number five. Key number six is you got to learn to judge God as faithful. The scripture says that Sarah received strength to conceive after she was however old. And the deadness of her womb. She was past the childbearing age. But she received strength to conceive because she judged God as faithful. She judged God as faithful. So you have to come to that place where you got to judge. I'm talking about what does it take to make your faith work? You got to judge God as faithful. You got you cannot, you, it's not just for you to believe and we talk, to believe that God can do this or that God has done this or that believe in God for, you got to believe in where your soul is connected up, where I know his character. And so if he says, offer up Isaac, even though I might not know how this is all going to turn out, I am so surrendered that whatever you ask of me, you can have it. I have lost the capacity to say no to you. You want Isaac? Even though I have worked so hard, 20-something years believing, raising him off for these last 40, now you ask, have him, have him, I give it to you, Lord. That's surrender. But you can't do that by just believing that God can do this and that God, uh, God you just can't, that is not going to work when you just believe that. You believe Jesus is raised up from the dead. The devils believe that. You believe that Jesus is the son of God. The devils believe that. You believe Jesus is coming again. The devils believe that. It's not gonna, that's not going to be enough. You got to believe not only that and for, but you got to believe in. Back it up with your soul. And, and to do that, you have to know that God is faithful. You got to know it's impossible for him to lie. You've got to know his character. Right? There's a book that Andrew and Womack write, which is a teaching. You got to know God's true nature. So that your confidence can be in and the trust. All right.